Hey everyone, hope you're doing well today. Um, I'm going to try and answer a question this afternoon that I think a lot of us ask as we um, kind of go through this season of, of killing sin and wrestling with what's going on in our lives. And I'm going to do it a bit differently than usual. Um, I haven't really pre-thought this question a whole lot. Um, I don't have any notes or anything like that. And, and not that I think studying or preparing beforehand is bad. I do it often, but I think it'll add maybe a, a more conversational element to this uh, than a really pre-planned thing would. And so here's the question. What do I do the morning after I sinned? So what do I do the morning after I sinned? Um, I've been asked that question before. I've asked that question myself before. Um, I mean, the morning after has a really uh, clarifying element to it, to where, you know, that evening or that night, whatever is going on, and you give in to, to sin, it, there's like a fog that kind of is there. And that next morning... It's kind of like that fog lifts, maybe a little bit, and you see some of the foolishness that you just walked in. And, and it's like now your senses are awake, and you're just so frustrated that you did that sin again, or you, or you messed up again, or whatever it is. And so what do you do in that moment? Um, I think one of, the, one of the default responses is to run from the Lord in that moment, to... to to, when you see where you are, when you see what you've done, when you see your true state, and you're aware of it, I feel like one of the default responses is to run. And we see that with Adam and Eve, don't we? I mean, Genesis 1, or Genesis 3, um, they sin, God is walking in the garden, and then what do they do? They run and they hide. And so that's just our default response. Um, but I, I don't see that as something that we should do in the scriptures. I don't see that. And so I want to take you to, uh, to one passage and just kind of walk you through what my steps have been as I've wrestled with sin and then fallen. Um, and, and thankfully, I'm in a season of my life where sexual sin is not as prevalent in my life. Um, I'm in no ways perfect, but it has been a long time since I have looked at pornography. And, and so I'm thankful for that. And, and so I'm not in any way above any of you that are still wrestling, but maybe have been around the block a few times and learned a few things. And so as I think about the, the morning after, what do I do? Where do I go when I, when I want to be with God, when I want to love Him, when I want to return, but I feel like everything in me is saying, don't go because you're not worthy to go. You're too dirty to go. What do you do? One of the first places that I will turn often is First John, which is in the New Testament, almost near the back, close to Revelation. And I would even ask you, just pause this and turn there so that you can read these words yourself, maybe underline them or, or put a star beside them so that you can go back at some point in your life and look at this. And, and one thing you have to understand about this letter is that John is writing against people who have created this idea that once you become a Christian, you no longer sin. And so that mentality is kind of seeped into the Christian churches, and they think if we can become true Christians, we will never sin ever, and we'll be perfect like Jesus was. And so he's trying to battle against that. And this is what he says. 
uh, chapter 1, 1 John, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So I'll just stop right there and say that that is an excellent verse to memorize. I have used that so many times when I feel tempted to sin. I would just say, if I say I have fellowship with Jesus, but I walk in darkness, I lie and I don't practice the truth. Like, I don't want that for my life. I don't want to be a fake. I, I can't have true fellowship with God, and I can't walk in darkness and do both of those things at the same time. And so why would I choose darkness? When Jesus is here and he's offering me his life and, and fellowship with him, well, I can't choose both of those. And that has a really, uh, just a, a, that, that has a, a way of awakening the foolishness of sin for me for some reason. And so maybe, maybe for you too. Uh, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And here's where I want you to key in. In the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I have that word all circled in my Bible. Um, partly because I think a lot of times we will read texts like this and be like, yeah, the blood of Jesus and his son cleanses us from all cultural sins. We're like, all sins aren't really that bad. But what about your sins, your pornography, your masturbation, your lust, your fill in the blank? And it says all sins. Verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So there he is. He's battling against that idea that if you become a Christian, you're no longer going to be sinning. He's saying you have sin in yourselves, and if you don't think you do, you're deceiving yourself. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, and I love that verse. It's given me so much hope in really dark times. So much hope. I mean, the only qualification there to receive cleansing and to receive forgiveness is confession. It's not work your way back into his good graces. It's not fix everything that you've made a mess of. It's not get everything in your life together, kill all these sins, show God how amazing you are, and then walk to him. It's humbly come before him and confess your sins. And if you do, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse from every sin. See how it's battling against that lie that we tell ourselves, that default position of ours the morning after our sin to run from God instead of to Him? And if we continue on, you'll see it even more clearly. Verse, or, uh, chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. So the hope is that you would no longer sin, absolutely. But you're going to at some point. Now, we hope you're growing in sanctification. We hope you're growing out of these things. But, verse, the uh, second half of verse 1. 
But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an advocate with the Father. So you have, I mean, think about this. You have someone between you and God who is advocating for you, who is pleading your cause, who is talking to God on your behalf, saying, yes, we should love him. Yes, we should care for him. Yes, he's, he's worthy to be adopted into our family, not because this person is awesome, not because they've, they've shown themselves that to be amazing, but because I died for them. Jesus Christ is advocating on your behalf. And so the morning after, when you are feeling the effects of guilt and shame on your life, and it is weighing you down and, and almost forcing you not to go to God because you're just not ready, you're not good enough, don't think you have to be your own advocate against the Lord. I feel like I, I operated out of that a lot, especially in my earlier years. I felt like, because I, I knew right theology. I mean, I, I knew that I didn't save myself, but that Jesus Christ saved myself. But I f- still felt like I had to somehow prove to God that now I was really repentant, and now I'm different, and, and now I'm worth loving. And I just robbed myself so much of the beautiful aspect of the gospel that Jesus is my advocate. I don't have to be my advocate. I mean, that's exhausting if you've got to be your advocate because you sin every day, don't you? I sin every day. And so if I've got to be my advocate every single day, that's an exhausting religion. Always trying to prove to the Lord why He should love me. Always trying, trying, to, trying to prove who I am and how good I am. No, Jesus is my advocate. And I think that says something about how he values you. Nobody's twisting his arm saying, you, you have to advocate for this person. Nobody's doing that. He doesn't have to do that. But he's chosen to for you personally. If you'd confess, if you'd come humbly before him, he will advocate against your sins towards God. On your behalf. Why? Verse 2. Because he is the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is just a fancy word for saying substitution. It's like you had a substitute teacher in college or high school. You know, the, the regular teacher is left and someone takes their place. It's the same thing. That's what that word means. That, that you deserve to go to the cross. The wrath towards sin from God deserved to be put on you on the cross. And yet... A substitute has taken your place, and that substitute is Jesus Christ. He's taken your place on the cross. And, and all of your sins, like first, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says, All of your sins have been placed on him. All the wrath of God has been placed on him. And so that righteousness that Jesus had has now been given to you, and the wrath of God has been appeased on Jesus Christ. That's what propitiation means. And so he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the substitute for us, and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world. And so what do you do? do? Try and get as practical as I can now. What do you do the moment or the morning after you've just sinned? I think the first thing is just 
humble yourself, man. I mean, you're probably already feeling really crappy, feeling like you've just blown it again for the millionth time, probably really down on yourself, and, and maybe rightfully so. And, I, and I'm not trying to minimize sin or, or minimize how much God hates sin in our lives. But perhaps you're harsher on yourself than God is. And I want to be careful with that because I don't want to minimize sin. Uh, Paul says in Romans, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, don't, don't abuse grace. But, but perhaps you're more harsh on yourself than God is. And so man, if you would humble yourself, if you would if you would note your depravity and and God's place far above you and you would just approach him knowing man I, I can't save myself I can't keep fixing myself I don't have the strength to fix what's broken in me and that's clear because I keep sinning every freaking day I probably shouldn't have said freaking but I'm sorry but I think if you would approach God like that humbly and confess your sins, I think verse 8 will be true. Or verse 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful just to forgive and cleanse. And, and then when you repent or confess, I think you need to ask this question. What am I repenting of? Am I repenting because my sin has hurt someone else? Which is valid. But ultimately, if you don't see that the biggest problem with your sin is not that it's just messed up or dark or it's going against what God's asked of you, if you don't recognize that your sin and the biggest deal of that is that you've sinned against God, I don't know that you're accurately repenting. Because a lot of times people just get, just get mad at sin or frustrated with sin and want to confess because they got caught or because they don't like the, the repercussions from that. You know, I don't, I don't want to keep looking at porn because maybe my sex life won't be as amazing. Maybe true. But what does that have to do with the fact that you're looking God in the face and spitting in His face and saying, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do what I want. When you repent of that, it's a very different thing than just saying, I'm sorry I did it again, God. I mean, those are two very different things. So I would encourage you to, to really ask, what are you repenting of? Um, maybe I'll just give two more really practical tips. Uh, third thing, I'd say find somebody. Find a brother, if you're a guy, or a sister, if you're a girl. And, man, you got to be honest. And I know that for some of you that's going to be way more difficult than others. But sin thrives in isolation. I mean, it just it grows so much in the dark. And so if you can find someone that you can just be honest with, and maybe it takes some time to build that kind of relationship, but maybe you just start off by saying, like, texting somebody in your youth group or texting your youth pastor or calling one of your 
one of your coworkers that you're good friends with, and you and you know he's a Christian, and just saying, "Man, I'm just, I'm just really struggling with my faith today. Would you pray for me?" I mean, that has a a freeing effect that you are no longer alone. And isn't our greatest fear that if someone really knew all that we struggled with, they wouldn't love us? And so when you're honest and vulnerable with somebody and they choose to stick around and love you, what a picture of the gospel. And, and you rob yourself of that if you never open up to somebody. And so let me encourage you, go to someone. And I know that's difficult and much easier said than done. But find somebody. Um, I could say a million things right now, trying to watch our time, not talk forever. Um, I guess the last thing of, of many things I could say would be figure out um, figure out how to how to follow God on his mission. And I, I think if you do that, you'll see a lot of growth in not just uh, fighting sin, but just your Christian life in general, but specifically fighting sin. Because when you, when you follow the Lord and you ask Him questions like, God, what's on your heart? Would you put that on my heart? God, who do you, who do you love deeply in the circles that I'm in? Would you give me that kind of heart for those people? I mean, when you do that and, and you're really intentional about trying to love people and care for people and point people to the Lord and serve people, I mean, that just has a way of, of really taking your energy in a good way to where that energy can't be used on sin. And it pushes you to be with the Lord. And so just an example in my own life. Um, I'm an RA where in, in this season of my life, which just means I'm in charge of a building of guys who are in a seminary. And um, I'm kind of not like in charge of them, but over them in a way. And so almost every night, I've kind of made this practice lately where I will get down, it's like 10.30 or 11, and I'll just get on my knees or just sit in my little recliner and just pray, Lord, I'm going to walk around my my building uh, on the floors and go to each floor and just walk through the hall. And would you providentially, would you sovereignly put someone in my path that maybe just needs to be loved or encouraged or maybe they're just really homesick and I can, I can just listen to them and give them an ear and be a good friend. God, would you do that? And then I say amen, I open my door and I go and I walk through the halls. And every single time, I've run into someone. <laughs> and, and it's been a really fruitful conversation. And I've learned something more about them, learned maybe where they're struggling or, or something that's going on in their life. And then when I come back to my room that night, I have something to pray about for someone else. And I'm thinking about this person and I'm, I'm trying to think through scriptures and, and things that I can send them tomorrow to help them. And in that moment, you know what's the furthest thing from my mind? Sexual sin. I mean, it's not even on my radar. To whereas years ago, nighttime before bed was really difficult for me. But now, I mean, it's not even on my radar. And I think one of those reasons is because I have followed the Lord and I have seen that He's called me to follow Him out into the mission, you know? 
And so as I give my time and I give my energy to other people, trying as imperfectly as I can to follow Jesus' model of counting others as more significant than myself, that has a tiring effect on you to one way, like, I mean, in one way, it, it takes up some of your time. And in another way, it takes up some of your energy. And both of those things, if in excess in your life, love, I mean, that is like the perfect combo. Excess time, excess energy. That's the perfect combo for sin. And so it's almost like God has designed those who follow after him into the mission field to just not not be as susceptible to sin. Because it's taking up energy, it's taking up time, and it's pushing you further into the Lord because you need Him when you're doing stuff like that. And I've just found in my life, I mean, when I'm most tempted to sin is when I feel like my life is really pointless and it has no purpose. And when I'm following the Lord like that and I'm intentional, my life feels meaningful. And, And so when I'm confronted with sin, I'm going, that's just so silly. Why would I go there? I mean that's that's so silly. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna trade my fellowship with God and this ministry that I'm doing for thirty seconds of really mediocre pleasure. I mean, why would I do that's the stupidest trade in the world? And I think a lot of that owes to the fact that the Lord has just brought me along on this journey. And so there's there's some tips that I would offer. I mean that's not an exhaustive list at all and, and not perfect by any means, but that's just some of the things that came to my mind. And I'll just end with this. We're at 22 minutes, which is a long time, (laughs) but I'll just end it like this. Man, I I remember back to my high school days when I was so frustrated because I knew that my sexual sin was evil and bad, and I hated it. I hated it. (laughs) Excuse me. But I was so frustrated because I knew I did not want to do this. I knew I wanted to love and treasure God, but I could not find the strength within myself to stop. And if, if that's where you are, let me just say, I, I get it. Man, I know the frustration. I know the shame. I know the guilt that comes with that. And let me just implore you, Go to the Lord. He's not, he's not as angry as you think. He knew everything that was going to happen in your life. He knew every time you would stumble, every time you would sin, every time you'd be really foolish. And he still chose to die for you on the cross and adopt you into his family. And so whatever happens from this point on is not a surprise to him, but something that he anticipated when he chose to die for you. So you are not surprising him. You are not making him question whether he should have saved you or not. He loves you. He delights in you. And he hates sin. So don't continue in it. But as you look in yourself and you cannot find the strength within yourself, let that be a huge acknowledgement that you need to be growing in fellowship with the Lord. And as you grow in fellowship with God, as you spend every day with Him, as you go on walks at night and just talk to Him about your life and what's easy and what's hard and and the frustrations and the goals and the the dreams you have, as you talk to Him about those things, and as you read the scriptures and, and pray them and talk to other believers and go to church, over time, 
not overnight, but over time, I promise you, He will change your heart. It might be slower than you anticipate, but if you're faithful every day to do those things, I promise you, over time, He will change your heart, and you will see that His strength was working in ways that perhaps you didn't see. God has not called you to be faithful for the rest of your life. He's called you to be faithful until you go to bed tonight, (laughs) and then you fall asleep, and then you wake up tomorrow morning and you say, God, you've given me another day. Keep me faithful today, and tomorrow will come when tomorrow comes. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I just have to worry about today, and I can't be faithful if you don't show up and you don't work in my life, and so I need you to do those things, and so I'm tired. I'm going to open the scriptures before I go to work, and I'm going to read maybe three verses. Would you feed me those three verses? And then you pray, and then you close the Bible, and you go to work. And then you get home, and you do what I just talked about a few minutes ago, and you try and love the people in your circles and go on mission with God, and then you lay down tired, and you go, I feel like I was faithful today, God. I wasn't perfect, but I feel like I was as faithful as I could have been. Help me sleep, wake me up tomorrow, and we'll do it again. <laughs> and, and just going on that journey with the Lord, man, has has meant so much to me. It's not that I have to try and be perfect and once I become perfect and kill all this sin in my life that that now I can walk with God and now I can be on journey with God. The whole thing is the journey. The whole thing is the journey. I think that's what they, those people missed in First John that kept thinking if we become Christians we'll never sin again. No, the whole thing is the journey. You learning to kill sin is the journey. And so, you guys, I love y'all. I hope that this was helpful. Um, I'll just end by praying over you, and then uh, I guess we'll be done. Lord, I do not know who will listen to this. Um, Perhaps a few, hopefully. And you know that my prayer has not been that this would be seen or heard by millions, but just that you would use it in a really powerful way for maybe a few people. And I would feel like my time was well spent if that's what you did. And so would you please, God, I know that people are wrestling and struggling and that maybe in some gracious way you would let this be hopeful for someone. Maybe it would contain some really helpful tips for somebody. But I can do nothing if your spirit isn't working, God. So please use just what I've said in the last 27 minutes to just help somebody. Not that they would be impressed with something I've said, but that they would love you more and see you. Keep us from sin, God. We are not capable of being perfect, but by your strength, you can lead us into righteousness and the light that you talk about, and we can enjoy fellowship with you. So please lead us there, Lord. Open our eyes to see the gospel. Open our eyes to see those around us who we need and who you're calling us to love and lay our lives down for. And we may just find that as we do those things, our love for you increases and our hatred for sin increases. And if that happens, I think we can all go to bed pretty proud. So we ask that, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.